Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Day of judgment may be nearing, what a morning that will be. There'll be safety then in Jesus, rock of ages, cliff for me. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me over in the rock of ages, rock of ages, cliff for me. Sinners trembling, saints rejoicing, each departing to his place. All the ransom Christ will gather, he has saved them by his grace. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me over in the rock of ages, rock of ages, cliff for me. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me over in the rock of ages, rock of ages. Heavenly Father, we seek thy blessing on our broadcast today. Help us to make these questions clear and interesting when we answer them. Remember the people listening in. Oh God, we pray for the peace of the world and for the world leaders. Guide them, Lord, to keep the door open to gospel preaching. In Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet near to the heart of God. 
where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God. Amen. And now it's time for more music. First we hear from Miss Del Delker a song about my Savior's face. Then the King's Heralds tell about the time when I look in his face. beautiful place 
ships of earth will seem nothing when I look in my dear Savior's face. So I keep my eyes fixed upon Jesus while I'm running life's wearisome race. I'll forget the hard pathway I traveled when I look in my dear Savior's face. When I look in his face, his wonderful face, in heaven that beautiful place, all the hardships of earth will seem nothing when I look in my dear Savior's face. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, who will answer questions. Friends, the first question we have is this. What are the conditions of salvation through the gospel? And the answer... In Romans 16, 26, we read that the gospel is made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. What shall I do to be saved was the question that came to the apostle Paul by the Philippian jailer. The answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Acts 16, 31. But notice, in response to that instruction, the jailer and his family were baptized that very night. So he exemplified the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith includes faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, repentance, baptism. Baptism, fully explained in the sixth chapter of Romans, is a burial and a resurrection. In beautiful figure and symbol, it sets forth the faith of the mind and the repentance of the heart. It is also a testimony to the world that we have forsaken it that we have died to the old life of sin and have risen again in Christ to live a new life in harmony with God's holy law. Question, who is responsible for all the suffering and sorrow and war in this world? Well, it cannot be God. But the old law of the harvest, the law of cause and effect, is still operating. Hear the words of Holy Writ in Galatians 6, 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The human race has sowed sin, and they are reaping death. Of God, we read in Lamentations 3.33, He doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. In fact, we have far less than we deserve of sorrow and trouble. In Ezra 9.13 it is written, After all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve. If the whole world should turn to God, this earth would be almost to heaven itself. Someday, when it's renewed and made as it was in the beginning, it will be the eternal and glorious home of a sinless, holy, and happy race. We go on many texts on this line, but the next question is this. Don't our dead loved ones know what we are doing? Answer, no. They do not know what we are doing. And there are several reasons why they do not. 
First, the scriptures say that there is no knowledge of God among the dead. Psalm 6, 5. In death there is no remembrance of thee. Second, there is no knowledge of the world or of men. Job 14, 21. His sons come to honor and he knoweth it not. They are brought low and he perceiveth it not of them. Certainly if the dead knew what is going on on this earth, they would know what their children are doing. But this scripture says that they do not. Third, they have no knowledge of anything. Ecclesiastes 9, 5, The living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Fourth, they have no thought at all. Psalm 146, 4, His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Fifth, the emotions of the dead do not persist. Ecclesiastes 9, 6, Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. So you see, friends, it's clear from Scripture that death is a sleep. After Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, had died, our Savior said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. John 11, 11. There's no knowledge in sound sleep. But those who sleep in Christ have the blessed hope of a resurrection to a new, eternal day of wonderful life. Next question. Did I understand you to say on the radio that there would be no hell for sinners? Well, I hope you did not understand me that way, because the Bible distinctly says that the wicked are reserved to the day of judgment to be punished. Second Peter 2.9. And our Savior tells us in Matthew 10.28 that God is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that hell will be a lot hotter than some people imagine. It will finally consume and destroy those who are unfortunate enough to be in it. In Malachi 4, verse 1, we read that it shall destroy them both root and branch. Question, are miracles a sure test of religion? The answer, they are not. Jesus said that false Christs and false prophets would arise working great signs and miracles. And you'll find that in Matthew 24, verse 24. And according to Revelation 16, 14, the devil himself will work miracles to deceive the world and the world leaders. John the Baptist was as great a prophet as ever lived, Jesus said, but he did no miracle. John 10, verse 41. Christ and the apostles performed miracles, true miracles. So did Moses. But in addition to the miracles which they performed, their teachings and lives were in harmony with the word of God. The real test is the Holy Scripture itself. Listen to Isaiah 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Do you think it's all right for Christians to marry unbelievers? Answer, for your... Well, for a real Bible answer, I'd read 2 Corinthians 6.14. Just read that. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.14 and 1 Corinthians 7.39. Your answer will be there. Very clear. Question, is baptism essential? Baptism was taught by the Lord Jesus Christ, both by his example and precept. How then could we ever think of it as not important? He declared, I'm reading Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Must be important. He made arrangements for it, told them just how and in what name they should baptize. He himself was baptized, Matthew 3, 16. Question, what do you think about revivals? A real scriptural revival is the greatest need of the world today. It's the need of the church, the need of the ministry, 
the need of all men. The entire Bible is a story of revivals, one after another. I believe all true Christians should be praying the prayer of Habakkuk 3, verse 2, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. But revivals do not come from wishing, they come through working, through praying. If we desire a revival, we must obey the laws of revival. We must turn to God. We must confess our sins to him. We must obey his word. We must be much in prayer. Then God will send his power. We shall be revived again. How real do you think the coming of Christ will be? First of all, the scripture says he will appear. Notice that word appear in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Second, we read that he will be revealed. 1 Peter 1, 13. The revelation of Jesus Christ, it's called. This word revelation is literally unveiling. When our Lord came at his first advent, his glory was veiled in human flesh. When he comes again, there will be nothing between. He will stand unveiled in all the majesty of heavenly glory. Third, his presence will be manifest. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God at the coming, that is, the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. This expression, coming, is from the original word parousia, or presence. It means the real presence. Now here are some examples of the use of the word in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I am glad of the coming, the presence, of Stephen. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. That's parousia, or presence, 2 Corinthians 7, 6. So these are examples, real examples of the meaning of that word. It means the real coming, the real presence of these people. So it will be the real presence of Jesus Christ when he comes a second time. There are other examples here in the Bible. From time to time, suggestions have been made that Jesus will appear in this or that remote place. He'll come in some temple built for his reception. Listen to the words of Matthew 24, 26, the words of Jesus himself. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Believe it not. All such hopes are vain. For we read in 1 Thessalonians 4:16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This hasn't happened yet. When Jesus comes, every eye shall see him. Revelation 1, 7. His coming will be spectacular. It will be with fire. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8. It will be like lightning. Matthew 24, 27. It will be with power and glory in the clouds of heaven. Verse 30. Dear sir, I seem to have constant war and trouble in my heart. I find no peace of mind. Can you help me? Well, we answer that the scripture contains no promise that we will not have trouble in this world. In fact, of true believers, Jesus said, In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16:33. That's a wonderful passage. Trouble will come to God's people, trouble from the world, trouble from persecution, but they may have good cheer in their hearts and be at peace with God. It's not how do we feel, but in whom do we have faith that counts. We may feel bad, we may be physically sick, but if we know that our sins are forgiven, 
because we've confessed them in the name of Jesus Christ, we have the promise that if we confess them, he's faithful and just to forgive them. That's 1 John 1, 9. Then we have no more burden on that. If we believe the apostles' word, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. How can we have anything but peace of mind? If Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, we shall have peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Jacob Stainer, who lived in the Tyrol in the early part of the 17th century, made the famous Cremona violins, considered by some to be the best in the world. Whenever one of them is sold in the market today, it brings a fabulous price. In 1791, one of these instruments was sold under strange conditions. A certain German count who had heard Alessi, the great violinist, play on a Cremona, offered a vast sum for the violin. But the musician said he'd rather sell his own life than his violin. Soon reports of the Count's desire became well known. One day a strange old man came to the castle door with a shabby violin case under his arm. Servants wouldn't let him in, but he wouldn't go away. Tell your master, he said, that heaven's music is waiting for him at the door. And the Count himself came and received him. The old man drew from his worn case a perfect violin, the work of Jacob Stainer. Then he played so marvelously that the Count forgot all about his desire to secure a Cremona. He tried to purchase this violin, but the aged musician refused to part with it on any condition, save that he might pass the rest of his life in the castle and play on it once every day. And so it was agreed. Day after day, its wonderful music permeated the castle. Dr. Howard Banks, commenting on this, says that the melodies of divine peace can be heard in our souls only when we open the door to Christ, who will then come into our hearts and dwell with us and daily sweeten our lives with the music of heaven. So we say to the friend who questions us about peace of mind, receive Christ into your heart, and then you will have peace. For he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Sometime when misgivings darken the day and faith's light I cannot see, I ask my dear Lord to brighten the way. He whispers sweet peace to me. He whispers sweet peace to me. He whispers sweet peace to me. In a still, small voice we are told A voice that dispels all fear And when I'm in doubt or troubled in soul That still, small voice I can hear He whispers yes, sweet peace to me whispers to me He whispers he sweet whispers peace to me 
Please continue to pray for the Voice of Prophecy broadcast as it reaches out to all parts of the earth. Until next week, this is Orville Iverson of the Voice of Prophecy urging you to keep looking up as you go forward in faith. Have faith in God for light and life and rest. Have faith in God who knows our human quest. Have faith in God his answers are the best. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope our broadcast today has brought spiritual strength for the coming week. And we invite you to join us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. Friends, we hope that you will remember our worldwide prayer circle every Thursday, wherever you are, if you pray with us and for us, you're a member of that prayer circle. We are praying for you. You are praying for us. And for the millions who listen and who ought to listen, for the peace of the world, for the promotion of the gospel, for the salvation of men and women. So please remember every Thursday, especially Thursday morning, We'll be praying here, you'll be praying there. One other important thing. The voice of prophecy succeeds and lives upon its mail. We hope that you'll write to the voice of prophecy and write to your friends to listen to the broadcast if you enjoy the broadcast. So we say to everyone, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.